We have now started. We have now started going to the wall. Okay. We have now started it. Are you listening to me? Maybe I should have said that when they're all leaving. <laughs> should have said it when they sat down. My fault. Yet every last Sunday night we started in our prayer night. We started going, praying for every family, going to the wall. <clears throat> what we mean by going to the wall is Nehemiah, chapter 2, he started to rebuild the wall. And the Lord laid upon our hearts earlier this year, convicted that it's time to rebuild the family. And uh, we're looking at many, many ways of doing that. There's not only one way, but prayer is definitely features in that. And uh, God spoke to us a lot about that, hasn't he? We've been speaking for months on this, and it has been months now. We've even had a school of the prophets around it, uh, just to keep it sharp and fresh in your minds. And uh, so everything that we've been talking about the last couple of months is all to do with how to strengthen the family, build a family. How do you, how do you change a nation? You know, churches don't change Churches do not change nations. Churches don't even change cities. Ooh, hang on a minute. What are you saying here? People change cities and nations. Churches don't change cities and nations. Look at your history. People change it. Christians change it. You tell me one church that's ever changed a city. There isn't one. But I know Christ in people changes. Don't put your hope in a church. Christ, Christ said, put your hope in him. Okay? So we're going to be talking this morning from, from a, a different perspective, but it's still, we're talking to the family. And many families use different, uh, have many sources for their uh, needs. But every household in Britain has gas and electric. We know that, don't we? And it's pumped into their house and you, the owner of the house, need to know who your supplier is. In fact, you know that there's an advert, there's an advert on U-Switch, which you can find out who is the cheapest supplier of gas and electric. Yes? So if you have U-Switch, you know, sorry, if you know that, just go on to that. You can find out who's the cheapest, who's running the best deal at any time, and you can switch. U-Switch. So, so everyone's after your business, they want to supply you with gas or electric, and, you know, most companies will do both. <clears throat> but the expect because they want to supply you with energy, but the expectance, uh, that's the wrong word, the pressure on you as the, as the uh, occupant of the house is to know your supplier. And at any one time, your gas, you smell gas, you need to know where the source is in your house, don't you? You need to know where the gas meter is. If you smell burning, you need to know where to isolate the, 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 the juice in your house. True? Because every house has a source and a supply. Would you agree with that? And we must, all the time, we must be mindful of source and supply at every time, at any moment. So let me ask you a different question. If there was a money shortage in your house, do you know where the source and supply is? 
Do you know where the source and supply is? Because every house at some time in its life has shortage. Yes? You know when you don't have enough money at the end of the month? Or you have too much month and not enough money? Everybody goes through that from some time to the other. So the question is, is do, you, do you know the source and supply for your finance? It just might be, it just might be that your supplier is the government. In other words, that you look for the government to, to supply you with benefits. So your source and supply is the government. The moment the government stop, your source and supply stops. Ooh. We know in our nation many people rely on that source of supply to their house. It may be that your parents, that you look to your parents too much. Any young'uns in here? They've all gone out. Yeah, you never see a married man with money in his pocket. <clears throat> Kids have taken it, or a wife. <laughs> I always joke to Carol, I say, the man, you know, in the Bible it says, silver and gold I have none. I say, that's not a married man speaking like that. I say, so that's a married man speaking that. Why? Because his wife took all the silver and gold. <laughs> that's why he has none. But it may be your parents you look to. Why? Parents bailing you out every time you get yourself in a hole. Come on. Kids don't have a conscience. You know I've told you that before. You have to install that as a parent. That's a piece of software that you have, to, you have to install into them. Even when they're getting older, they will still keep taking. They tell their kids there is no such thing as a money tree, but then they think you are their money tree. How do they think you get money, but they don't, and they don't have money? Well, I've got overheads. Well, so have I. Well, I've got kids. I've got shoes. Well, I've got shoes to buy. And there's this irrational thinking that goes in their head that mum and dad will always have an eternal supply. So they, in terms, if you don't watch out, our kids will be raised up thinking that mum and dad is their supply and their source, or their source and supply. And it's not good. We need to help our kids to realize that work, work, work for money. Work. It's called contribution. It's a good ethic that everyone should have. Money doesn't come to me. I have to go and work. I have to go and find it. It just might be that it's your husband or your wife who's no longer wants to work. So therefore, if you could get them back into work, there'll be a supply and a source coming back into the house. All it takes is one person to get off the blessed assurance and go and find some work. And that might <coughs> mean that there is a flow of, Resource coming back into the house. Maybe, just maybe, your supply and source is the company that you work for. And by that, you have become a slave to this company because you think that they're the, if I don't work and I don't do what they ask me to, there will be no supply and the, there'll be no source coming into the house. So what happens is you become a slave to the company and Pharaoh begins to dictate the terms of the conditions. And you just keep jumping and jumping and jumping through the hoops and you sell, you sell your soul to the devil because you think, I need supply. He's my source. He's also your death trap. Or maybe your supply, you look to your supply and source from God above. Just maybe. And I know that sounds so simple. 
But you'll be amazed how many believers don't do that. So let me ask you, let me ask you a different question. Think about this before you shout out. Let's just say Jesus, who who has got abundance and has poured out all this abundance to you, let's just to say Jesus was your fuel company. If Jesus had to bill you for how much he has supplied to your life, how much have you used? How much would he bill you for? So Jesus has all the abundance and he lets you tap in to his supply. And he says, at the end of the month, I will bill you for what you're using of me. How much do you think you would have to pay? Come on. That will determine whether he is your source and your supply. Think about that. Everything's been poured out. It's been poured out for you. But we don't always take what's been made available. And because we don't always take what's been made available and we don't use it, we look for other substitutes to supply what we need. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Now, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. You read that? Did you see that? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, in heavenly places in Christ. So right there in this verse we read, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, He is the source. Yes? Then we read, Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. In other words, now he is the supply. So if, blessed be the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, God wants you to see, and wants you and me to see, that he is both our source and he is our supply. Can you see that? Now, he is not only our source and supply when you're in trouble. Because that's how, par- that's how kids use the parents when they're in trouble. But a smart parent would teach the child the principle of how to save and how to put money away for rainy days. How many of you know there are rainy days? But if you save for a rainy day, guess what? You will have a rainy day. I just like to save for the things I want to do. Not just for rainy days. I don't want rainy days. If you live in Manchester, we get a lot of rainy days. I'm not saving for rainy days. So he is our source and he is our supply. Now here's the issue. Do you want to live? Do you just want to live and be blessed? Or do you want to live from the supply of blessing? Now, think about that. Do you want to just live a blessed life or do you want to live from the position 
of supply. It makes sense. Yeah? Living to become blessed rather than living from what God intends for you is a trap most people fall into. We all want to be the best. So many churches, oh, too many to poke a stick at, are teaching people just to get a blessed life. Please, grow up. This is why there's so many self-help messages. Just trying to get you blessed. Jesus never operated like that. Jesus wants you to live from the position of the source and supply. He wants you to live from that place. Jesus didn't die just so you could be blessed. You know, unrighteous people have blessed lives. So why, so is that what Jesus died for? So you could have, look around you. There's many people owning bigger houses than you. Eating better than you. Wearing better than you. Driving better than you. Holidaying better than you. Living their lives a lot more cleaner than many of us. When I say us, I mean Christians. The children, the families, the beautiful families. So they've got a blessed life. They work hard. That's their principle. Work hard, you get blessed. Jesus didn't die so that we could be blessed. But this is the curse of the charismatic church. To get you blessed. Everything they do is, I hope you're blessed. That's not what Jesus church is about. But so many of us get sucked into that because who doesn't want to be blessed? I've never met a person on planet earth who doesn't want to be blessed. This is why I ask you the questions. Who is your supply? Who is your supply? Now, so many people have so many different understandings of what being blessed looks like. Go and ask someone in who's poor, what does the blessed life look like? Ask someone who's only got a semi-detached house and they're looking at someone with a big mansion. It's the wrong criteria. It's the wrong way to judge. It's the wrong way to ascertain what is a blessed life. We must live from what Jesus has provided. That's the standard. Amen? That is the standard. If you want to just be blessed, you'll always have your eyes on the earth. You'll always have your eyes on the earth because that's your only reference point of being blessed. And then you think when you get it, Jesus blessed you. Well, if that's the case, Jesus has blessed a lot of non-Christians. And then the other guy tries to tell you, if you sow a $100 seed, you'll get a $1,000 harvest and that's you being blessed. So he still gets your money, irrespective of if nothing else. He only needs your money. He doesn't need your faith. And all these gimmicks are actually avoiding the issue. Live from supply. No, it's not that giving is wrong. It's not that. It's just that if that's the only message you've got, shut up. That's not a minister of the gospel. That's called someone who just talks on finance. And they tell you that this is the power of the gospel. If you've only got one message, fella, there's something wrong. That's not the ministry of the new gospel of the gospel. Money can't be the only thing you talk about. Get a life. What they've learned is that's where they get the most success. Yeah? If heaven is your source, then you're truly blessed. 
But just because you look up and say, oh, I know God's my source, knowing it and living from it are two different things. We must settle the issue once and for all. Who is going to be the source and supply to our families? Because government is putting more and more pressure. Economies are putting more and more pressure. Brexit will put pressure on many, many families. And there'll be a lot of fear, and there already has been a lot of fear, and there'll be a lot of threats, and there already has been a lot of threats, but we're going to pull out, they're going to pull out. And all these things will then begin to cause our nation to go into turmoil if your source and supply is not fixed. Come on. You know, one of the reasons why Russia has so much power because of its gas. It has a supply of gas. So it thinks it's got an ace up its sleeve, and it has. No doubt about it. It's got fuel that everybody else needs. So it can hold nations beholden to its conditions. Now, a nation can't just, defi- can't just discover overnight a new source. That's why everyone's scouting the earth for natural resources. Why? Because nobody wants to be beholden to somebody else. If you're a nation that's got resources, you are truly blessed. Because fuel is power. At any one time, half of those Russian states want to decide we're going to become part of NATO. Guess what? Mr. Kozniak just turns his gas supply off and says, we'll see how long you last then. Oh, no, 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 sorry, sorry, sorry. Are you sure? One right, one turn to the right, you're gone. One turn to the left. If I leave it in the middle, I'll reduce your supply. So he knows how to manipulate people because he's got the source and he's got the supply. And that's how your boss works. That's how your companies work. Because they know that if you won't do it, we'll get somebody else. And if you won't do it, we'll put pressure onto you. And we'll, so all we have to turn around and say is, well, we'll demote you. And somebody else will do that. And then all of a sudden you think, wages go down. I need that money now. And if you don't watch out, it's a rat race. It's a rat race. So we must, send, we must settle the issue once and for all. Who is the source and supply for our family lives? You know, even though God is your supply, let me say this in case anyone's got some mistake, uh, mistaken thoughts going on in the back of the head. Even though God is your supply, you must still go to work. Don't be caught in Philippians, what says, and my God will meet all my needs. You know, a job is a, is a way of him meeting your need. You cannot quote that and say, God will meet all my needs and do nothing about contributing and working hard so that your family has its resources in the house. It doesn't mean to say because you get a wage from an employer that you're not trusting God. Yeah? Believe me, when I first took on this, this ministry, you weren't paying me. So who was my source? And every, all the other ministers who come into the church, they all were all told by those older congregations, you have to live by faith. So what they were saying was, Pastor, you must have, you must work out your supply and your source before you come into the church. But we, 
We have got our own source and supply sorted out. We can have nice houses. We can drive. We can take our kids anywhere we want in the world on holiday. We can put our kids to university. But you've got to trust God. How hypocritical is that thinking? Yes? And in, in some ways, that's why some pastors then don't rock the boat. Because they know they'll get rid of him and he's got no job. You must work out who you'll source supply because at some point in your life, you'll be tested on this if you've not already been. Yeah? So Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom his old family in heaven and earth derives its name. So let me, what he's saying there is their source. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. In other words, they've, they live from source. Yes? I pray out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you. In other words, supply to you. Can you see this? With power through the Spirit. There's the key. It's going to supply to you. Like it's going to strengthen you through the supply. What's the supply? The Holy Spirit. With power through his spirit into your inner being. So he has a method of taking the source from the source. He can take the source and distribute it to you. Wherever you are, wherever you is in the world, God is able to distribute it from the source. He can supply you anywhere in the world. Can you see that? And where does it come from? Out of his glorious riches. He's got more supply than you could ever imagine. If you go down to Plymouth, I think it's Plymouth, and you look at the naval fleet outside, what you don't know, underneath the ground, there is, I think, was it three and a half years, Andy? Can't remember. Lot, maybe seven years. There's a seven-year supply of oil underneath the ground just for the military. Should we ever go to war, they've got to make sure that because they know the rules of the game out there, someone's going to turn it off. Right? So they've got seven years worth of fuel underneath that ground so that no power on this world, earthly power, can stop our fleet going to war. The only thing is we've got no ships now. We've got plenty of fuel, but no ships. But it's amazing they've got seven years of supply underneath the ground. That's amazing, don't you think? So what they're saying is this fleet will not be stopped. That's an amazing thought. God Almighty has got an everlasting supply. An everlasting, eternal. There's no end to his supply. Why? Because he wants to speak and he creates it again. It's the supply. And I like what the Amplified says. And I'll read it from the Amplified slowly. For this reason, in brackets, grasping the greatness of his plan, by which Jews and Gentiles are joined together in Christ, I bow my knee, in brackets, reverence, before the Lord, our God, Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth derives its name. And then it's what it says in brackets, God the first and the ultimate father. 
May he grant you out of his riches of his glory to be strengthened and spiritually energized with power through his spirit in your inner self, inner dwelling, your innermost being and personality. That's what it's got in brackets there. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and you having been deeply rooted and securely grounded in love. So as you're grounded and rooted in this love, you then feed from that supply. See, there's the issue right there. When believers and families are not rooted in maturity, in Christian maturity, in love and in fellowship and all that kind of stuff, the natural thing is for them to go and make it in their own way. Yes? Listen, you can have hard work with anointing and blessing, or you could just have hard work. Either way, hard work's there. It doesn't change the fact. You're still going to have to work. But God supplies. It means if God supplies to me from what's above, I don't work for that. Hello? God may supply me a job. Now I've got to go and work. But there are dimensions in the spirit that I don't, I don't have to work for. God supplies to me. And then there are things through prayer and discipline and all those things I then lay hold of in the spirit. Do you understand that? Not everything just comes easy. There is an expectation of how you must lay hold of this. But at least I know I live from supply. There are many things yet I have not tapped into yet that I know they're there. Why? I still haven't got the keys yet. I haven't got the maturity in some areas to handle what God gives me from his resource. Yes? Just because God's got it, it doesn't mean to say you can handle it. The truth is, we can't handle the truth. Every rational being, whether in heaven or on earth, has come under one common father. They recognize mankind, Christian mankind, and all the angels, seraphims, everything that's created on the other side, have all recognized you're, you are the source. You are the supply. And hence why they bow down and worship him. They all know that. They're smart enough. Satan, knowing that, wanted to supply, be a supplier and be the source. And Jesus says, no, no. I'm going to protect my father because he's the source. I'm going to, be, I'm going to become the go-between, to redeem back what he's stolen. And all the time, Jesus still acknowledges, Father is the source. I'm the way, the truth, the life, but everything's for my Father. Everything's being pointed back to my Father. So everything comes to the Father, and then the Father turns around and says, but what about the Son? What about the Son? Heaven and earth, one day, will all bow down and acknowledge, you are the source and you are the supply. Many nations are dependent upon fuel, supply. And it's amazing. God only has to send earthquakes, rupture pipelines. And then all of a sudden, those areas where these nations felt very secure in, all of a sudden they become insecure. That's why God shakes nations. That's why God shakes political powers. Why? Because your source and your supply, what you gain your strength from becomes weakened and undermined and compromised just by God shaking. That's why if God wants to reevaluate his leadership or reevaluate re his church, he just shakes it. And everything that can't stand falls. 
But those stand, those who stand, those who stand, stand because they've they're tapped into the source and a supply. Can you see this? Now let me just give you some points. God supplies to our lives in order his own expectations are met. God supplies to our life so that his own expectations are met. If God, I'm writing a paper at the moment on expectation, on leadership, competence or significance. And I'll send it out when I, when I do it. And one of the things I'm coming across is this whole word. The difference between um, problem and solution very often is the, is the expectation. It's what someone puts in, you know, what expectation we set of people will determine whether they're the problem or they're the answer. Get that expectation wrong and we're in trouble. Yes? And the world and the church are settled for competence when it should be settling for significance. Competence at best just gets the job done. But significance takes us way beyond. And the problem is most Christian leaders are just being competent at what they do. Now, competent is not a bad thing, but it's not the best. Significance is what God's looking for because it's the significant leaders in our history that we read of, not just the competent ones. Now, we all sure read about incompetence, but we want significant leaders. We want significant believers. Amen? And the only way you get that significance, there has to be a source. What's the, what is it everyone always says when they sit down and they interview a significant person? What's the secret of your success? In other words, tell us your source. Well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a believer. Oh, I don't want to know that. No, 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 there's got to be another source. No, no, I'm a believer. And I pray and I trust God. No, 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 we don't want to know that. What's the secret? No, that is not a secret. I'm making it known to you. That's my source. And the world doesn't want to know that. It wants to know another route. So God supplies to our lives because God is the one setting the expectation. You've got to understand this. You've got to see this. God. See, when power companies supply their, uh, the fuel, like I say, they supply the fuel, they have to meet what they call as a sort of fit and proper test. They have to show that they are competent and they've done their due diligence. Yes? And then the problem is, many of them find ways of how not to be done, become competent and yet still get the money. That's called corruption. So to be a supplier, you have got to have jumped through the hoops to show yourself competent. <coughs> Whenever your house gets rewired... You need a certificate to show that you just didn't do your own. Yes? Why? Because they want to see that you have used the right source. Yes? Because we can't create supply to you if you haven't got the right infrastructure. Yes? If you've only got a two, if you've only got like a, a two amp fuse and you're sending 40 volts down there, you're going to overload it and blow it up and blow us. You're going to blow yourself to kingdom come. Yes? So we've got to make sure that the supply and the source don't clash. Very often, that's the problem on earth. The supply and the source sometimes on the earth get messed up. But in heaven, the supply and the source are the same. 
Yeah? See, if God is the supplier to the universe, God meets his own fit and purpose purpose test. God fits his own. Why? Because he's perfect in all his ways. He's perfect in all his ways. God meets his own standards. God has supplied out of his own, out of himself, he supplied the standards necessary to meet his own word. It's amazing that about God. God supplies himself out of himself, he supplies to meet his own standards. That's why it's impossible for God what? To lie. Because he's already met his own standards. So when he speaks to you about a standard, he supplies to your life so you can meet the word that's coming to your life. Think about this. Here's the question. Here's the issue. All God's expectations are met in Christ. All God's expectations are met in Christ. Yeah? This is why you must remain in the vine. Remain in the vine. It's essential because... If, you're una- if you don't walk in the vine, you're unable to draw from the supply and meet the expectation. Can you see that? Because he says, apart from this supply and this source, you can't do anything. So he's making it known, the supply and the, and, and the, uh, the resources to your life make the difference based on who you know. So, let me read that again. All God's expectation of us are met in Christ Jesus. This is why you remain in the vine is essential because you're unable to meet the expectations of the supplier outside of Christ. The promise comes from John 15. If you remain in me, which is relationship. Yes? I will remain in you and you can ask whatever. If you remain in me, you can ask whatever. Ever. In other words, the supply is there. If you remain in me, I can trust you on the ground. I can see that you're, you're a good source for me to put my power into. Ask whatever you want. Because you pass my fit and means, well, I can't say it. What do they call it? Means purpose test. I can't say it. Fit and proper. That's it. Fit and proper. That's the word. Means test. You see that? God sees Christ and sees that he was ideal. Yeah? He was ideal. He passed the test. Hebrews tells us that through all that, he did not fail. Through all his challenges, all his tribulations, he did not waver in unbelief. But he had to learn faith just like you and me. But God saw that he was proper, that he was fit to carry this gospel. Yes, and now if you step into him, you in Christ, the hope of all glory, you can do all things through Christ. Why? Because the one who supplies it enables you to do those things. He's asking of you. He wants to be your eternal supply. Now normally if I was speaking this in America, I'd ask for an offering at the end. But ain't no offering to come in. You've already taken your offering. Why? Because I'm not the source and I'm not the supply. When we read the word expectation, 
Let me give you this now. When we read the word expectation, it has two potential meanings. So the one who set the, the, the expectation is the one doing that, knowing that is already fulfilled. But this is what it means. The English word expectation means. It's a strong belief that something will happen. Or a strong belief that someone will or should achieve something. Let me say that again. The word expectation means it's a strong belief that something will happen. Or it's a strong belief that someone will or should achieve something. Okay? So, Colossians chapter 2, verse 14 says this. Keeping in with this description I've just given you, it's a strong belief that something will happen. Let's take that first one, something will happen. Colossians 2.14, there's many, many scriptures, but I just use this one to emphasize this point. Colossians 2.14 says, Having cancelled the written code with its regulations that was against us and stood opposed to us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. Now, when I read that, I see someone made something happen. Christ Jesus. He, he, he cancelled the written code. In other words, he, it involved an action. Yes? It involved an action. He cancelled the written code and its regulations, meaning anyone who's not been washed by the blood, saved, sanctified, cannot enter in. That was not, on, that was not open, uh, sorry, open to you and I. Christ had to do something to make that possible. He supplied that from out of himself with his own life. Yes? He supplied it from his own life. That was against us, and he stood opposed to us. Nailing, sorry, he took it and nailing it to the cross. Someone and something, someone made something happen in order to secure the supply coming to our lives. Something has to happen. Somebody has to do something in order for supply to keep coming. You still have to walk in what he has achieved. That's the expectation. That you walk in this. That you have fellowship with one another. That you have fellowship with him and have fellowship with another. You know, you've got to still do something to keep the supply to your life flowing. And then we read in... The second part of that scripture, Colossians 2, let's go to verse 15 of that. Keeping again with our description, we just described it's a strong belief something will happen. Now let's describe a strong belief someone will or should achieve something. So if we read verse 15 of that, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Can you see that? Something, someone achieved something so great that he made a spectacle of those who were opposing him. He did something so great. He achieved. What's the definition? A strong belief that someone will or should achieve something. God has an expectation of you that you will achieve something. God doesn't look for someone. Someone 
is not a good word. It's ambiguous. It's non-descriptive. God speaks to you and to me. God isn't looking for everyone. For God so loved the world he gave. He gave, but we know that God isn't looking for everyone. Why? Because he knows there are people, he knows some people will never turn. He's looking for someone, and that someone is you and me. To go and tell and preach the gospel so everyone has the same opportunity. Don't, let, don't, get, don't get involved, I said don't get confused with someone God's after everyone. He's not looking for someone. He's looking for everyone. But he chooses you and me so that you become a name to him, a person to him, who then goes and tells everyone so everyone has the same opportunity. Amen? And until this gospel is preached, he said he didn't come back again. So, let me give you another scripture, 2 Peter 1. Verse 3 and 4, I'm reading it from the Amplified Version. His divine power has bestowed on us. In other words, absolutely everything necessary. Again, I'm reading from the Amplified, so it's got certain words in brackets that give it emphasis. It says, his divine power has bestowed on us, and then in brackets, absolutely. Everything necessary, in brackets, for a dynamic spiritual life. And godliness through true and personal knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For, these, for by these he bestowed on us his precious and magnificent promises. In other words, his inexpressible value. So that by them you may escape the immoral freedom that is in the world because of distributable desires and become sharers of the divine nature. God has, from his source, from his supply, has given us everything necessary. Everything necessary for life and for godliness. How? Through our knowledge, our personal knowledge of him. So, if you were describing source, what does source look like? It's what, again, what the dictionary says source means. Source means a place, a person, or a thing from which something originates and can be obtained. Does that not fit Christ? Does that not fit God? So it's a place or a person or a thing. Well, he's not a thing. He's a person from which something originates and can be obtained. Can you lay hold of him? What do the disciples say? That which we've seen, that which we've touched, our own hands have laid hold of, that which we proclaim to you, that your fellowship with us may be complete. So that which we've seen, that which we've laid hold of from the source, we're now connecting you to the same source. We're now connecting you to the same source. Another definition of this word source, and again, you'll see Christ meets, Christ meets all the, the criteria. It's a spring or a fountain. The head of a spring or a fountain. Yeah? From which a river or a stream flows. Is he not the fountain of life? Is he not a well? Is he not a river? It does not out of him rivers flow. Yeah? Out of him streams of living water will flow. He meets the criteria. 
whatever English dictionary can describe, he meets that criteria. Why? Because he's paused, because he's, he's met his own expectations. A person, he says, a person who provides information or insight will trade that word information for spiritual knowledge, spiritual insight, revelation, foresight, insight, hindsight. All those dimensions Christ has supplied. Amen? He says, here's another one. Uh, Sorry, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If I'm the way and the truth, he's a lot smarter than you and I. He didn't say, I am a way. He said, I am the way. That one statement gets us in trouble as Christians. Yeah? It also says, another definition of this word source means it's a book or a document used used to provide evidence and research. When I read this Bible, it never stops speaking. It never stops giving me evidence. The more I research this book, the more this book researches me. Is it not true? It searches you and researches you. And as as I speak to this book, this book speaks to me. Why? That's because it's living and active. The source is always speaking. In fact, every time I read this book, the source is always trying to find me. The supply is always trying to find me. It's amazing. You don't have to jump in to see how deep it is. If you feed from it, it doesn't matter how deep it is. Think about it. If I have a drink, or say if I see a river there, if you're thirsty and you go down to the river and you want a drink, you don't worry how deep it is, do you? You're more fixated by what it's supplying at that moment. I don't have to worry how deep God is. I know he's deep. I just know he's deep. And deep's enough for me. Deep's enough for me. Because I know he'll create more. Why? Because out of my knowledge of him, I know he can create what I need. So out of his supply... He he gives me insight into what he's got. He shows me there's more than seven years supply underneath the ground. Hello? He's got more than 70, 80 years supply for my life. It's not a problem, Tony. Do you realize, Tony, there's billions of people feeding off me. The stars in the universe, all creation's feeding off me. You're not an issue, son. Get over it. Okay, God, I get the picture. You're the man. Yes, I am the man. Man shall not live by bread alone. But if you want to live by bread alone, fool you. Fool you. Don't get spiritual with me and say, I've just got some bread. I've been to church today and got some bread. That tells me that's a poverty mentality. I didn't come to church just for bread. I came to church for seed. Why? Because out of the bread, there is seed. You've got to see what's behind the bread. There is seed to make bread. But if I just give you a loaf, I keep you codependent. But if I can show you how to to make bread with seeds and, and use your seed wisely, guess what? Now you've really got resource. But everybody's so fixed and gets caught up and eat the bread. That's why if I give you a million pounds a day, the first thing you do is you go and tell yourself, I deserve a holiday. Do you not? I was teaching my, my lad the other day. 
Ben. And I'm teaching him a very, very important principle about some money that, was, that potentially could be in our family. And I'm telling him, son, let me teach you the principle of the golden goose. It works in any format of life. Right, son. The golden goose produces eggs. Why would, why would you want to eat the goose? Why would you want to eat the goose? Just keep enjoying the eggs. It supplies. Right. It's the source of supply. But what most people do when they get seed, they go and spend all their seed. And they go and eat the goose. Right. And then they tell themselves, gratification comes in. Self-gratification. We need it. We want it. We've deserved it. We've never had it. Therefore, I'm entitled to it. Go and eat your goose. Ah. Oh. Well, if I only put half of it, we'll put half of it, but save some seed. It's amazing. People get 5,000, 3,000. It's gone within a week. All your seed's gone. Now, unfortunately, today, putting it in the bank doesn't create much seed. I know that. It's probably safer under the mattress than it is in the bank. I appreciate that. So you've got to find other ways to invest it, or whatever. You've got three grand. It's a goose. It might be a small goose right now. It might need some love. It might need some wisdom. You might need to raise this thing and grow it and grow it. It might be a slow grower. But guess what? If you eat the goose today, you've got nothing for the future. Just letting you know, it's the gospel according to the goose. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of this book, or from God's mouth. Be careful not to let this book depart from you, said God to Israel. Why? Because in this book is seed. In this book is seed. You came out for bread for me all every day. You came out for bread for manna. He said, son, we've got to move from beyond this point. I can't just keep giving you bread. I don't want you codependent. I want you to be prosperous. Yes, God stopped the bread and gave him technologies to be self-sustaining. Now, Pharaoh doesn't do that. Pharaoh says, I want my bricks making and I'm going to take away the straw, but I still want my quota of bricks. And if you don't give me my quota of bricks, you are dead. Because he wants to make himself the supply and the source. Yeah, but God says, no, no, I don't mind giving you what I know. I don't mind sharing with you what I know. Why? Because I want you to live prosperous, but I want you to know who the source of supply is. God's not frightened of sharing things with you. God doesn't want, God's not frightened that if he shares it, you'll leave him. Only a tyrant would do that. What parent would do that to their children? Come on, think about it. No, you want your kids to be blessed. That's our problem. We should want our kids to live from the point of blessing, not just to be blessed. Because you know what a kid is. If he's got an Xbox in his hand, he's blessed. If he hasn't got an iPad, the world's falling in. It's shifting all the time. Supply means, the word supply means, make something needed or wanted available to someone. Make something that is needed or wanted available to someone. We all need salvation. God's made it available. 
Amen? So, coming into land. Having crew get ready for landing. So God supplies to our lives in order that his own expectation is fully met. Let me give you one last one. God, the source and supply, supplies seed to the believer. Both the source and the supply then supplies seed to the believer. 2 Corinthians 9 and 10. Sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Now, did God just stop at one level? He didn't, did he? Was God just happy making bread? No. But he told us man should, but why, sorry? Because he told us man should not live on bread alone. But by every, so by every means there's more than just bread. We need to live from the seed, not just from what the, the bread. Can you get that? Now he who supplies, right there it is right there, supplies seed to the sower. Are you a sower? Are you somebody who does something with the seed? Come on, you go ask yourself, are you someone who's just come to church today for bread? So if I give you seed, you haven't got a clue what to do with it. So I tell you, well, let's just eat the golden goose. We don't need seed. Let's just eat the goose. At least put the, at least, let's put the goose on the bread. And have goose sandwiches. Right? No, 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 no let's, not, let's not eat the goose. Let's keep the goose alive. Because we're going to need it. That's called seed. Can you understand this? Can you understand this? You need seed. Seed is what creates what? A harvest. Now in between seed and harvest is what? Work and time. Labor. You've got to do something with what's been given to you so that your supply keeps on supplying. That's why when God gives you money... And you give whatever it is you give to church, your 10% or whatever. Out of that, God gives you 90% to live on. Right? Now he says, 90%, you're still doing good. Because, because if God was a tyrant, he'd take it all. But God isn't the tyrant. He's not Pharaoh, like we just said. So now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store. Notice, I sow, I supply seed and bread for food. And I'll increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. So God, from his own supply, wants to give you something that will create a harvest in you. Isn't that cool? I think, that's, I think that's pretty cool. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be, oh, hang on, whoa, whoa, stop right now. I didn't want to know this bit. I don't want to read this bit, Lord, because this is not fair. Now you're telling me so I can be generous on every occasion. So now you're telling me, oh, yeah, that's called sowing the seed. That's called paying it forward. He made you rich from his own supply so that it could be multiplied given away, create a harvest in somebody else. And so the principle continues. 
Can you see that? You'll be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Wow. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God people, but is overflowing in, exp- in many expressions of thanks to God. Wow. I'm glad you came to church today. Some churches only understand how to make bread. And some churches don't even make good bread. But they supply bread. And they tell you that, we're giving you bread. No, a good church will supply bread and seed. But it's amazing, in many churches, they want to take all your seed. They want to take all your seed. The church is the only place that takes your seed without telling you how to make more. Why do I think as a pastor that you've got limitless pockets? So I kill the cow, I bleed the cow, I milk it every week, but I never teach the people how to replenish what they're giving. God never asked you to do that. And if he did ask you to give everything you had, it'd supply another another cow or another goose, whatever it is, God would supply it. Why? Because God is not Pharaoh. Now, in between giving and him and you returning, a lot of faith and a lot of prayer will be required. You cannot raise your family if you do not get source and supply sorted. This is a life lesson for families this morning. Get the source sorted out. Get the supply. Your company may go belly up. It may not. That's immaterial. It doesn't matter if you're in feast or famine. God must be the supply. God must be the source. Over every family in this house, we must get that right. We must get this right. Bread keeps you alive for a day, maybe two days, maybe three days. But at some point, you're going to be hungry. Some point, you're going to need more. Bread keeps you dependent. How many people go to the store every day for fresh bread? I just go to the supermarket and get mine once a week. That's it. I'm not going every day. Can't be mad with that journey. Got better, better ways to use my time than keep going every day for fresh bread. It better have some sustainability in my bread. Seed is all we need because with seed I can plan, I can create, I can manufacture, and I can supply. Let me say that again. It's so good, it's worth mentioning again. Seed is all what I need because with seed I can plan, I can create, I can manufacture, and I can supply. God has supplied, God has manufactured, God has created, God has given all that you need in Christ. Let's stand to our feet.
more points there. Save them for another day. I want you to get this picture in your mind of the golden goose. Christ is the goose. Everything that comes from Christ is supply. Amen? Everything that comes from life is supply. If you abandon the goose, you'll have to look for another goose in life. You know, you will. You'll have to look for another goose to supply you with eggs. But God doesn't want us to change supply. God doesn't want you to have a you-switch moment. See, God is a fair supplier, but he's also a very classy supplier. He's a very expensive. God is not cheap. God is very expensive. In other words, he is provided the best. He expects the best. He supplied, he gave his best through his son. The best offering, the only offering that would ever, you know, suffice and please the heart of God was his own son. Out of the billions of offerings that were made every day by the priest, this one, and only this one, was accepted. Because this is the one. He didn't want the blood of bulls and goats. He wanted Christ. Amen? A willing sacrifice. A bull hasn't got any option. They didn't ask a bull, do you want to be sacrificed today? No. No. Bulls don't get an option. You just dragged along, slaughtered, that's it. This one knew exactly what he was doing. And he gives himself once and for all. Amen? So that this blood speaks a better word. It's classy. Amen? It's classy. That's the standard God wants us to live to. Christ. Christ totally. Christ only. But he's the way, the truth, and the life. So, this is the source he wants us to have. This is the source, the only source. I'm the way, I'm the only way. I'm the truth, I'm the only truth. I'm the life, I'm the only life. Get the way, the truth, and the life together. The supply will flow to your life unbelievably. But you have to work and you have to walk and you have to witness. Work, walk, and witness. Because when you do that, the sun of, the sun of righteousness will shine on you and your harvest will be great. So let's just bow our heads right now. I would really challenge you this week to sit down as a partnership your husband, your wife, that is. Or if you've not got a husband and a wife, just sit down and think about, truly, Lord, out of all my finance, are you really my source? Is it reflected by how I give, how I walk, how I work, and how I worship and witness with you? Is it truly, is it truly seen in that? Lord, if you were to send me a bill from what I tap into and use of your goodness, how much would I be charged? Is it little or is it much? Because the bill will answer, will tell you whether you live by your own supply or you depend on God. So there's a bill coming through right now this week. You've got to open it and you've got to change whatever's on that bill. You've got to say, Lord, charge me more. Charge me more. And it's in your own interest to ask that question. Lord, I'm not using enough. I'm a low user. I need to use more of you, of the source. I need to supply, I need you to supply more to my life. God says, listen, I've poured it all out, Tony. I can't supply any more than I've already supplied. You've got to learn 
to find ways how to draw from the supply. When Jesus said it's finished, he poured it all out. There's no more resources out there that he's never thought of. It's been poured out fully, willingly. What you've got to do is, that's why he gives you the keys to the kingdom, so that you can discover how to draw. You must draw from the earth. You must, from the earth, you must draw from heaven, so that heaven can then supply you on the earth. Amen? So, Father, right now, we ask you, O oh God, that every family, every family will have a sober moment. Every family will sit down. There'll be an economic summit going on in the houses of the families. Father, and in the economic summit, there'll be a readjustment. There'll be, there'll be an acknowledgement. Father, and I pray from this moment on, O oh God, that you move us from bread to seed. Take us, O God, from just being users, consumers of bread into users of seed. Father, I ask you, I ask you, O God, I ask you, Father, to search our hearts. Let the Spirit of God come right across this church to those upstairs, those at the side. Father, wherever people are in this building, I pray, O God, in the sound of my voice, O God, the Holy Spirit will carry this word. And this week, O God, there will be an economic summit taking place so that the children of God can go beyond bread and live from an eternal supply of seed. Come on, just ask the Lord. Lord, show us. Show us where we can make changes. Show us where we can make changes. Show us, oh God, where we can make changes. Mighty God, mighty God. I'm reminded when Samuel, when Samuel went into, uh, I think, sorry, when Saul went into Samuel's house and Saul was about, was in to inquire whether he was the one and, and he'd gone looking for his father's donkey and, and he comes into Samuel's house and there was a piece of meat that had been cooked. And Samuel had prepared the meat and gave Saul the biggest portion. He said, that's for you. That was put aside for you. Why? Because being a prophet, he knew that Saul would come. And in the spirit, I see God has prepared a table. God knows and knew that you would be, his own children would come to this point and they're going to ask. And he says, son, there is a peace set aside for you. That if you would just sit and walk in my ways, I'll show you how to sit at the king's table and feast. And have an eternal supply that you never thought was ever available. But son, you're going to have to incline your ear to listen to the prophetic word as it comes to your life. Because you're going to have to make adjustments in order for you to discover what's at my table. Saul had no idea what he was walking into. Saul had no idea what was prepared for him in advance. And here the Lord is calling you into his table to feast at his table. There's more than bread. There's wine. 
There's meats, choice meats. He has a table lavished with stuff. God isn't wanting you to eat from that on a one-off and just fill your boots and, and just get happy. God says, this is, this is the table that you must eat from all the time. You must hearken your, you must hearken unto the word. Hearken means you must pay attention. Take the principles. Whatever the goose is, you may need to kill your goose. Because you've got the wrong goose. Your goose is not supplying what you need. And God says, I'm the supplier. I'm the source. Get rid of all those things that do not, that do not make me first. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And then all these things. The supply is in the king. The supply is in the king. And your king sets a table for you today. Your king wants you to know there's a place and a portion set aside for you. You must give your heart, must give your life, must give your walk, your work, your witness, must give it to God. And God will take you. And you say to yourself, but I've already got money in the bank. I'm already satisfied. I'm already at a stage of life. I'm okay. And God says, don't be so selfish. You did not work so you could be self-sustaining. That's only one aspect of blessing. I gave you seed so you could, be, you could be generous on all occasions. It's not about looking after yourself. I look after you. It's about you using what I've given you to further, to further other people. Hear what God is saying to us this morning. Come on, just raise your holy hands if you will and say, Father, I want to eat from this table. You may be a good steward of your finance, praise God. That's only one aspect, but who's your source? (laughs) Who is the source? Oh, Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Move on every family this week, Lord, I pray. Move across every family. Leave no stone unturned. Let there be a sobering of the, of the family of God. Let there be adjustments. Let there be a realignment in the people, in the family of God. Father, go through every family. Visit every family. And remind us, O oh God, of this word. Let us take this word to heart. And let us do with it as you would please, as you would have us do. Father, we want to be a good family. We want to be a responsible, a wise family. So my God, help us. Help us to be a wise, accurate family. In Jesus' name. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen.